0: Good morning, church. It is so exciting to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. Can we just give a clap and applause for Pastor Grill once more? He has been just an integral part of this church, the ministry, and he just amazes me just like week in and week out. Um, Last night. with his busy schedule. Something a little bit special, like Uncle Joe, Uncle Johan said. Um, today we have a panel for next journey And if you don't know what that is, that's essentially where um, the pastoral team has chosen just a select few of people that they believe will be here for quite some time. being said, I do have the opportunity to preach just a little bit, just 10 to 15 minutes-ish. And then after that, we will introduce our panelists and then wrap up the service from there. So that's what we're going to do. So if you guys have your Bibles out, um, I would like to go to Acts 2, Acts chapter 2, verse 1 through 5. And if I have to title my sermon here as short as it is, it's to be, How to Be Gripped by Passion. All right, let's read here. Acts chapter two, verse one through five. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided, tongues of, as of fire appeared to them and rested and each of them, yeah, and each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak. Other tongues, as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. Let's pray, Church. Father God, thank you so much for letting us gather here. Thank you so much for your Word, your life, your love. Thank you for this book of God, Book of Acts, just to give us direction and discernment, God, as how we direct ourselves, the Church other, oh God, to be a reflection of your kingdom. May you give us hearts to follow you, eyes to see, ears to hear, oh God, and just bold this Father, just to see you moving in the midst of us. In Jesus' name we pray. All God's people said, amen. I find this passage really interesting and an integral part of the church because just for context here, this is the moment in the book of Acts where Jesus has already left, the, left earth. He has already gone up to heaven and the disciples uh, are in the upper room assigned by Jesus to wait in Jerusalem for basically further direction. Jesus also said before this, um, before the Holy Spirit has entered uh, the upper room, it is better for you that I leave so the Holy Ghost can come. And I think this is just really, really interesting because I don't know about you, but for me, I like having direction. Direction in the form of a person, direction in the form of an agenda, you know what I'm saying? And sometimes you don't always get that. Sometimes I like direction in the form of assurance and that is like literally and physically gripping somebody and ask, asking them, tell me what to do. And sometimes that's so hard, especially for us working professionals. I work from home personally. And sometimes it's just so hard to, like, come to a problem and not necessarily know what to do. You can't really look, turn behind you into the person in the next cubicle and ask for direction. You kind of have to figure it out by yourself. You kind of have to figure out that ambiguous environment, you know? And I kind of feel that that's where the disciples are in, at this moment. Jesus has already ascended, and they're waiting in the upper room, waiting for further direction. Like, what kind of ambiguous environment is this? And then here also, it's Pentecost. So you have a diverse group of people meeting, and they don't really share the same exact ideas as you. They don't really share the exact values as you do as well. So as you can tell here, the disciples, people within the upper room, I feel like are just in a completely ambiguous environment. But the next interesting thing here that I find is they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in tongues. As the spirit gave them utterance. Later in this verse, we see that people are curious why are they speaking in tongues? What language is this? You guys are speaking in my language. That's awesome. I'm so curious. But then other people find them as you guys are drunk. You know, what are you guys on? You guys are so high. What is this? They're they're so weird. And the bottom line question that I want us to get is: Have you guys ever been gripped by a passion so strongly? that nobody else ever gets in. Um, one thing that I can think of is, for me personally, I'm really passionate in my hobbies. Like, for example, drumming, um, I was passionate in baseball. Most recently, I took up Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. And if you don't know what that is, basically it's submission grappling, you're on the ground, rolling, sweating with strangers and whatnot. And don't worry, it's, I know it's COVID, and so we try our best, we, you know, we, we all give each other space, and trust each other, but when I tell my friends this, and I want them to join, they are like, bro, you, you're sweating with strangers on a mat, and you're getting choked out by them, like, that's so weird, and I'm like, but it's fun, I have passion over this, it's self-defense, like, you guys should try it, and they're like, no, no, I'm good, you know, so at this point, that's something that I'm passionate about, for some of you guys, it could be music like BTS, you know, I, like, I looked up those tickets a couple weeks ago, and the retail, resale prices are insane, but some of you guys just are so passionate about that group, and I don't get it, you know, I really don't get it. I'm not gonna spend five grand on like seats in LA just to see these guys, okay, but I know that some of you guys out here looking your way because this is kind of the younger generation over there are more passionate about that, you know, and then other things like sports, the Seahawks, what are they, like two and five or something like that? I'm sorry, but Like sometimes you guys can be so passionate about sports and why are you passionate about a team that's losing? Well, for me, I love the Mariners and they haven't made it to the playoffs since 2001, but I'm still passionate about that team. (laughs) So like, as you can tell, when you're passionate about some things, they just do not make any sense. To some people, they're curious, but to other people, they will mock you. And what I wanna get here is we can be filled with so many passions, so many occupations, our profession, our calling. But when you're filled with the ultimate passion, the passion that is God-given, fulfilling, it's the plan, the destiny of your life by the creator, Jesus God Almighty, no lesser passion can compare. Um, When it comes to serving, man, sometimes it just doesn't make any sense. Why are you giving so much time to the church? Why are you giving so much time to your, your free time, you know, to serve others? And I think... It's because we love each other, you know. It's because God has called us to love him and not only him, but other people as well to serve. And I think just like the room that we're sitting in, the building, that, the seats, the carpet, everything. Somebody has paid an ultimate price, their time, their own money and whatnot for us to be sitting here all together. And I think it's not something that we can just plainly ignore. We just have to be acknowledged about it. So... I think my sermon pretty short here because we wanted to invite the panelists to come, but I have two points on how to be gripped by passion. First is to ask the Holy Spirit to guide you. Now this is really, really simple, but so profound and so amazing because I want us to look right after like Acts chapter two, verse one through five. um, Peter, one of the disciples was preaching and 3000 people converted at his sermon at Pentecost. So I don't know about you, but that's kind of easy to brush over. But if you think about it, during that time, they had no technology, no mic. How did the acoustics of his voice get all the way out to those people, you know? And I'm a pragmatic kind of person. I'm like, there's no way that his voice can reach 3,000 people at one time. There has to be something going on there. And I think that's proof of the Holy Spirit right there, moving within the midst of the church, the early church rising. You know, and this is exactly why Jesus says, it is better for me to go so that the Holy Spirit can come because we, have, we all have access to the Holy Spirit. When you ask the Holy Spirit to guide you, and this is the point that I want us as next-geners to get because eventually, you know, all of us will be leading at some point, either in the church, in our homes, in our workplaces. The Holy Spirit will most likely ask us to serve and to lead. In John 21, when Jesus asked Peter if he loves him multiple times, and Peter says yes, um, there's this saying from Jesus saying, feed my lambs. So that being said, if we love Jesus and we want to follow him and we want to do his will, be in his way, feed his lambs, serve. Number two that I have is to don't neglect the small beginnings. In Zechariah 4.10, it says, do not despise these small beginnings for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. It does not have to look impressive. It does not have to look great. And let me tell you, when I first started serving in the church, I was 13 years old. I played the violin because I was forced to, because of my mom. And I was on stage, not mic'd up. And like thinking about those days, like I loved it, you know, and I hated it so much at the same time. I loved it because I had an opportunity to serve. Um, The disliking part about it was because you're a violin, you're not mic'd up. I was standing next to the drums, so I was pretty much there for show. (laughs) But the thing about it was like, I was 13, I was young, and I just wanted to serve. I wanted to be embraced with the community that loved Jesus. I wanted to like follow my cell group leader at the time, who was the worship leader, and just to follow in his footsteps. So just immersing yourself with people that are on that are gripped by their passion, the ultimate passion to serve is better than any lesser passion than you can imagine. With that, I would like to invite our panelists to come up. We have Irma, we have Michelle, and we have Dania. And then one thing before they come up is that these three women are chosen from our pastoral team, and they have served in this church for a very long time behind the scenes working tirelessly. Can we give them a round of applause as they come up? Thank you so much, guys, for coming up. We've done a couple of these panels, one's in January, another one in May, and you three are next on the list. Um, starting from Dania to Irma, can you guys give us basically full name, rundown of the ministry that you are involved, on, <laughs> involved in, as um, as well as, uh, as well as how long you've been in the church, your walk with Christ, Just a short snippet. Who
1: are you? Um, Can you guys hear me? Yeah. So, hi, everyone. My name is Dania. I've been serving in this church for about 12 years. Um, Yeah, I've been... Wait until you get to Uh, (laughs) cheer, Ma. Yeah, so... (laughs) I've been seeing uh, different, tur- uh, different pastors here. I've been privileged to see uh, Pastor Erwan before. He was actually the lead pastor. Um, I've been serving in music ministry ever since the same amount of time, I think. In the care group, the same amount of time. Uh, for the most part, I think that's it. And then uh, currently I am a coach for care group leaders, um, oh. for uni care group, for un- uh, young professional care group and also for professionals care group. So the age range is between 17 to 39 years old. Yeah.
2: Hi, I'm I'm Michelle. I'm from Hawaii. Uh, I've been in this church for almost seven years now, and I've been serving for six and a half of those. Um, But I would say that I've been a Christian... While I was in Hawaii, in high school, but I would say my faith journey didn't really start until um, I moved to this church and moved to Seattle and it's basically reignited here. Um, I'm ministry leader for projection and livestream, as well as lighting, as well as a caregiver leader for the Seattle YP. Um,
3: yeah. Cool. I'm Irma. That's really loud. Um, Thank you for this time, right away, Pastor. Um, so I have been here. I wasn't going to out myself, but thanks, to Um <laughs> I have been here since 99. Uh, <laughs> that's all I'm going to say. Um, so, yeah, I've been here since 99, and I have been involved in many ministries before. <laughs> but the current one that I have is um, worship team, and it's been a lot of fun. It's been a lot of um growing period, I would say, and my journey as a Christian, well, if you know in Indo, right, like we would, if you go to a Christian school or a private school, you would um, be required to go to like a Sunday school and then bring a report to your school, like saying, hey, I can, you know, I went to church and get a point for that, so I grew up in a Christian environment, but it wasn't until I was 12 that I uh, received Christ, and Just coming here and finding a community, I think it's just been um, a blessing. So,
0: yeah. Thank you so much, guys, for coming up. And I wasn't told exactly why by the pastoral team, why these three specific women are chosen in general, because they didn't have to. Like, I know these three women, and they are passionate. They are gripped by their passion to serve the church in and out on their own time, over time. You know, it's incredible. So, What we have coming up next is just about eight to 10 questions. Going to shoot them these questions and how they respond. But the bottom line that we're trying to get here for this panel is leadership can look really different and so effective in different ways. So the kind of inspiration that we want to bring out, guys, is that there are so many opportunities to be gripped by a a passion to serve in this church. And these three women will show us exactly what it's going to be like. So, for the first question we have is about corporate worship. Irma's going to tackle this one. What is it? Why is it important? And we all see Irma on stage, too. So, there is nobody better than Irma herself to tackle this question.
3: Corporate worship. Um, It's important. I think corporate and personal worship is important because he is worthy. You know, he's the reason why we're here. He's worthy because he's good and he's great. Um, And I think when it comes to corporate worship, you know, the Bible in Ephesians 5:20 and Colossians 3:16, it's it tells you um, to come and gather, and uh, it's obedience when we come to church. As a congregation, you know it's, it's obedience. Um, I'm just gonna make it really short too, because I know. <laughs> and then number two is encouraging. It's it's encouraging others to, you know, when you're in the group, um, worshiping together. It's it's encouraging. You might not be able to do that on your own, but it's. Imagine if you go to a game that you like. I am a Seahawks fan, and so let's say when Super Bowl won, <laughs> back in the days, a while back, you know, to watch a Super Bowl and, like, cheering by yourself won't be fun <laughs> as if you're watching the Super Bowl with other people and cheering. You know, it's a different kind of feel. Um, so it's encouraging. It's also powerful, um, and it's also it's teaching. You know, you don't start learning how to worship on your own. Like, when you became— a christian in the first place you just you don't just figure out on your own you learn from others and in the congregation in the corporate setting you can learn from others and i think it's an introduction to um, what worship is and how to worship Um, and it's sacrificial because you let go of control (laughs) when you're by yourself you tend to be able to decide how long you want to worship or like you know you have their own time your own specific time but when you're in the congregation sometimes you don't get to sing the song that you want you know (laughs) sometimes it's sometimes we have a lot of songs we we go through it every week sometimes we have old song all the time sometimes you don't feel like singing that song but it's it's not about you i think at the end of the day when you come um, worship, it's its about him. It reminds you that it's about him, right? It's its sacrifice, your pride. Sometimes you'd feel like, oh, you know, I'm pretty cool. I don't want to raise my hands. But it's not about you. Um, it's a sacrifice of praise. It's a, sacri- a sacrifice of pride, of comfort, and of control. Um, and so it's just powerful, I feel, um, when you come together as a congregation to worship him.
1: Yeah,
0: absolutely. I feel like... Like in the Bibles, is when two or three or more people gather together, yeah. the spirit will move. And I think that's just so proven in corporate worship, not only just like in a Sunday service setting, but also in prayer meetings and care group too. Yeah. Like it definitely has that difference when you just worship versus by yourself. Awesome. Michelle and Danya, you guys have to tackle this question right here. women in leadership. So you guys, it's all, all female panel right now, which is so exciting. And sometimes, like, these types of questions should be acknowledged, too, because, you know, back in the church, we have this one particular verse when, I'd say about a year ago, I was actually asked this um, by a care group member, specifically in 1 Timothy 2, 8 to 14. Let me just read this out real quick. This is Paul saying to Timothy, I desire that, um, that in every place the men should pray, lifting holy hands without anger or quarreling. Likewise, also that women should adorn themselves in respectable apparel with modesty and self-control, not with braided hair and gold or pearls or costly attire. Continuing on verse 10. But with what is proper for women who profess godliness with good works, let a woman learn quietly with all submissiveness. Do not permit a woman to teach or to exercise authority over a man. Rather, she is to remain quiet. For Adam was formed first, then Eve, and Adam was not deceived but the woman was deceived and became a transgressor. So personally for me, I'm like, whoa, bro, hold on a second. Let me just get, before I answer, let me just study this before, you know, I say the wrong thing here. We would love to hear what you think about women in leadership and particularly this verse in First Timothy.
2: Yeah, so um, I want to thank Kelsey, you know, bring her back out of here. Um, she reached out to me um, when I was brought this question. Um, she gave me some sermons to listen to that, like, really explain it. Because I always knew that, like, women is allowed to be in leadership, is allowed to, um, like, preach and, like, lead and everything. But it's never been – I've never been able to, like, pinpoint exactly, like, why it's okay when 1 Tim- First Timothy, 1 First Corinthians says so many times that women are supposed to be quiet, you're not supposed to talk, you're not supposed to dress this way, this way. Um, but basically what it comes down to is um, context – And I think for a lot of us, when we read New Testaments, we just kind of take it as it is. We don't really think about, like, who's Paul writing all these letters to? Because for Old Testament, it's like, we just take it how it is, right? That's how it is, it's a story. But for the New Testament, it's actually written by Paul. And Paul is writing it to a very specific church. And that church is in a very specific city. And the thing about all those ones that, all the verses and stuff that they talk, Paul talks about women being, like, docile, or, like, not speaking, All of these cities are Greek cities versus Roman cities. And the most important thing about a Greek versus Roman is that Rome hates women. They're like oppressed women. They're like, oh, you should not do anything. And then the Greeks love women because you know Greek mythology. They're like, women um, are the best. You guys are goddesses. You guys should like lead all the temples and stuff. And so basically um, in these chapters, Paul is writing to Timothy and writing to the Corinthians to remind them that like, hey, your old... Ways of culture, your Greek mythology culture has changed now. You can't run your church the way you run your temple, which is with a woman leading it. And it's not to say that a woman can't lead it. It's just that you shouldn't have the same mentality that everything should be the same now that you're living in Christ. And I think that's how we should, as women, rule, like lead as well. We should remind ourselves that like we're not man versus woman leading in church, not leading in church. It doesn't matter if you're a girl or a guy. You're allowed to lead in church church not because of me not because of you it's because of Christ right and so it doesn't matter who's preaching as long as we're spirit filled and we're spirit led god will do all the work for us
1: can i just say amen that was really
0: good <laughs> no, absolutely and ladies and gentlemen like if you are part of Michelle's care group let me just say that you're just incredibly blessed like this is the kind of thing that you know can just get sprawled out in a care group, and care groups in generally are meant for you know discussions like this, questions about the Bible, facing those hard, hard, black and white seemingly questions. So definitely, just like who's in Michelle's care group? Can you raise a hand? Can you just give a shout out to Michelle right now, saying like how thankful you are? Yeah, my people. Awesome, Donia. This next one's for you, and it's part of the vision for. Uh, definitely our church um you know pastor Irwin has said this in the past like vision young people lifting them up and whatnot um quick verse that i have right here proverbs 29 18 saying when there is no vision the people perish but he that keepeth the law happy is he so like the importance of having a vision the pastoral team has a vision for intergeneral intergenerational leadership what do you feel like you need in order to be equipped when expanding your ministry or transitioning into a new one?
1: Um, yeah, so there was a reason why I kind of introduced myself with the age range. Um, I kind of introduced myself in the beginning that the care group that I'm leading, the age range is between 17 years old to 39 years old. If you're below that, typically I don't really, haven't really touched your life. For example, the touch, the youth ministries or maybe even um, seniors or uh, people in that range so I'm not planning to, like, touch everyone's life, um, like, significantly because I can only do so much, right? So Pastor Everyone has a vision for this church to be a multi-generational church. And as an individual, I, I also embrace that vision. And for um, I'm hoping that each one of us will also embark on this journey because th- this church needs all of you. And I cannot, uh, for example, like uh, the youth ministry— Nick is actually helping a lot with that. Adele is helping with like uh, children ministry. Um, you guys are really precious and valuable here. In order for us to be multi generational um, church, and our church needs to rebirth itself. We need to give out. We need to pour out to people younger than us. We need to learn from people younger than us and older than us. Um, I haven't changed a diaper. But a lot of people my age have changed diapers. And, like, we can learn from each other. I haven't done homework for, like, 10 years. But a lot of us here are struggling with homework tomorrow. (laughs) Like, uh, we have to relate to each other um, however we can. Uh, Connect to each other. And we are one body of Christ. And the church is a body. The church is not just one individual, right? We're all chosen. We're all um, here to help each other, to be a multi-generational church. If you are outside of my, uh, well, however, whatever age you are in, you can contribute. Actually, what I need is actually for you guys to also embrace that vision, for for you to also want to be part of it. If you are, let's say, 50 years old, or above, maybe you want to create a group, please do so. If you are young, you have a heart to join um, join a ministry, do so. If you are, let's say, 35 years old, you have a heart for college, which some of you do, reach out to us. Reach out to me. Um, we'll connect you. We really do need people who want to be out of their comfort zone. It's not always easy. Um, when you have your family, when you have your job, to serve one another, especially if they're not in the same season of life. But if you do have that heart, sorry, I'm turning this into more of an invitation, actually. Like we, as a church, we need to um, support this, embark on this journey together. It's a body, it's a mission, um, and a vision for all of us, not just me.
0: Oh, that's so good. So does that mean also students that have assignments due at Sunday night, 11.59 p.m. can come to you for help? Yeah, I know that some of you guys have assignments due tonight. (laughs) Don't lie. (laughs) No, that's awesome. Thank you, Dania. Irma, this next one is for you. It's kind of similar to Dania's, um, but this question is contoured towards you because you just have so much experience serving this church since 99. How do we build a bridge between the older to younger generations. And before you even start, I'm just saying like, when I joined the church here in 2017, it was filled with just, you know, young college students. It's, oh my gosh, like I'm already like five years older than them and it kind of felt weird, but to today's day, it's just so awesome to see more families, more diversity in here. And I think it truly is a blessing and an exciting time to be part of this church. So how do we build that gap between younger to gen- uh, older generations?
3: Personally, I think has already done it. <laughs> she invites <laughs> you guys to be involved. Um, but I've said this word before, um, and I will say it again. Be intentional and be genuine um, in what their interests are. You can't just invite someone and, you know, not do anything about it too. Um, be interested in their lives and be interested in what they like. I'm not saying that you have to like certain things just to be like, but at least, you know, genuinely be interested. I think that's that's what I've learned all these times. Um, just learning what they like and, and yeah, just be intentional. Um, and I know it, it takes a certain desire, you know, to be able to hang out with, like, certain groups, but God loves people all ages, you know, um, all generations, so ask for the desire if you don't have it um, it's his heart um, but yeah just start with that be intentional pray about the people that he puts in your heart and, and start with that so
0: amen that's awesome intentionality that was definitely my, always. my word of the year, guys <laughs> uh, Michelle on to you here um, this one's important to you because it's part of the vision of the church or Daniel whoever wants to tackle this one how do we build a excuse me, how do we support the vision of becoming a multicultural church? Naturally, like it's obvious that most of us are Indonesian in here, but there are some people that are not Indos. Technically, I'm kind of half and half in there because I was born and raised here. But Michelle, particularly for you, um, coming from a background that's not Indo, you being, you know, embracing the church, being a position to leadership, how did you find your way around that, being immersed in this church and making it more multicultural? We're pass it to Dania. Or oh, that too.
1: So we kind of tag team on this. Um, so um, I will go first and then Michelle will go second. And this one, we'll answer together. So um, how do we support the vision of becoming a multicultural church? In we've gone in the 12 years that I've served here, I've always served in the multicultural community, meaning... Non Indonesians. So some care groups are exclusively Indonesians, some care groups are more diverse, meaning they don't only have just Indonesians. Uh, Michelle was part of that one of that care group that was not just Indonesians. Today, I think we have a few who have some Indonesians, some non Indonesians, but the majority of the care groups we have are still mostly Indonesians. Um, so To become a multicultural church, like Chirma said, um, we have to be intentional. We have to actually acknowledge that not everyone speaks Indonesian. We have to be able to protect them from being excluded. If they are not uh, able to understand what we're saying because we're speaking in Indo, that's a problem. They can understand better when they're outside of this church. They cannot understand anything in this church, that's a problem. So we have to be intentional in inviting. For example, the easy thing to do is, I think, if your care group currently has a non-Indonesian, make sure they feel included. If your care group doesn't have anyone from a different culture, invite someone, try it out. Try out having someone who's not from Indo in, in in your group, see how it is. Some groups are very supportive. Some groups really try their best. I've seen it happening. Um, And some people actually mean well. It's just that, you know, when we gather, we just like to connect in our own native language, which is understandable. It's not like it's sin or whatever. It's just that we have to be aware, and this awareness has to be intentional. It cannot be, as time flows, we're somehow gonna be multicultural. doesn't work like that. We have to invite them in. Otherwise, why would they come with us? Like, they they can be understood better outside. They can understand everything else better outside in in school or, yeah. So since so that is just um, the way I see it. Is you have to be intentional. And Michelle has been here in this church for a while, and she is not Indonesian. She is from Hawaii. She doesn't speak Indonesian. Um, a few of us also here, and you guys don't speak Indonesians. Thank you for sticking with us. Really, like I really appreciate learning different cultures. And now Michelle's gonna um, tackle the second part of this
2: question. <laughs> so, um, yeah, like Danya said, coming from the, um, the reason I want her to speak first is because I feel like um, this question is like multicultural. Where we want to see both sides of the coin, right? Like I'm a non-Indo, in an Indo. Centric church, and she's from the inside perspective, and I think it's um, really interesting to see both sides. And as Donna mentioned, like as Indo, you have to be intentional. But I think as well as being non-Indo, like it's the same. We can't not be intentional as well, right? Like we have to also want to fit and want to try, want to be here. Um, and it's a we're definitely a two-way street. And I think something that I've definitely seen grow in the past couple years, actually, is that. I've seen a lot of Indos being really receptive to a lot of non-Indos. And I think that's just, like, really amazing to me. Like, I um, never really dreamed, because like, as Dania mentioned, when I first came to this church, I was in, like, the international UW care group, which means that, like, literally everyone, there was, like, 15 of us is not indo except Dania, um, <laughs> And it was very, I was in a bubble. I loved it. I was, like, I loved this church, but I was literally in a bubble. I knew 10 people in this church, and it was my care group. And I didn't know anyone else. And I kind of, like, ignored the endos. I was like, oh, I don't know them. I don't speak their language. I'm going to go to the people I know. But um, that's also a problem, right, because it really boxed me in. And, like, when I wanted to serve in ministry, when I wanted to know more people, like, I would go to a church event. And if I didn't, if no one from my care group was there yet, I would walk in and be like, I'm going to stand outside until someone I know is here. Um, Because I don't don't know the people. But um, recently, like, being forced into ministry, ministry is a great way, or, like, doing volunteering for, like, random events that the church is doing is like, really forced me to meet in those. And, like, I, not, not that I thought bad of them, but, like, I just never expanded my worldview to, to like, learning different cultures and everything. And as soon as I met them, like, everyone is really nice. Generally, like Donna said, everyone is very accepting, very welcoming. No one ever means to isolate anyone, right? It just kind of happens, as Donna said, because you would speak the same language. And I think the most beautiful thing is that I've seen people really open up, and really try, and I never, and I have to remind myself, especially as non-Indos, we just have to remind ourselves that, like, people never mean to hurt you if there's not including you in something, um, it's just sometimes this kind of happens, and I think something we remind ourselves is, that, like, I'm not here, they're not here to serve me, like, I'm not going to join an Indo community because I want them to serve me, right, rather, I should try to serve, why not I serve them, why not change my sh- mentality, mm-hmm. right, why not I go out into Supporting this vision of being multicultural, and serve them as well, right? That way, a bond can be bridged. I think, and a perfect example is now the um, Shoreline Care Group, like Billy. Um, I've been blessed to be really close to them and get to know them better, and I really love that group. Like they're really opening up to me. They, I can tell when they're trying really hard to include me in conversations, and it's it's really amazing. And I think I can really see that vision being broadcasted to the rest of the church. So I think it's definitely a two-way street. um, both sides coming together and it's definitely possible. It's just, we're still in the growing season of it, but it's.
0: No, it's for real, that's so good. Thank you for being like inclusive and intentional with that. I don't think that should only go to like care group members or the care group leaders themselves, but every single person in this church, like being inclusive because absolutely for me, it's like kind of hard finding my own identity in this church sometimes because I'm not a hundred percent Indo, I'm American born, but then it's like, I understand if you're talking in Indo, so don't worry, I understand you guys, don't worry about it, <laughs> but, but you won't